So this morning, I'd like to pray before we start um, the sermon. Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you that you originated the idea of sending your own son to die in our place, to rise again, to be exalted above every other name. Lord, help us to focus on your words and, yeah, give you the glory for all that you have done today. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um... As we look at this unlikely path to joy uh, from Philippians, I was thinking of something that happened 20 years ago. Um, The Hobbit, uh, sorry, no, Lord of the Rings was released 20 years ago. That is shocking. Um, Yeah, I was, what, 13 at the time. And um, yeah, it it was just like yesterday. And uh, the the Lord of the Rings is an amazing and unlikely path to joy. Um, So Frodo is this lovely hobbit living in the Shire. He's got a happy life. Um, he's, yeah, can you imagine anything more beautiful than the Shire? Um, and uh, he gets this ring, he gets this one ring to rule them all. Um, and he basically, he, he is told that he has to go and destroy it in the fires of Mordor. Ah, what, a, what a terrible sounding thing so far away from this lovely Shire. Um, so Frodo basically empties himself. He, he doesn't grasp on to being a, a hobbit in the Shire, but he, he says, okay, I'll go and, and take this ring and destroy it. Um, so he, he actually knows that it's going to be dangerous. Gandalf tol- him, uh, tells him that it's, it's a dangerous journey and the ring bearer is going to be in danger. Yet Frodo goes ahead, of it, uh, goes ahead with it into all the way to Mordor. And on the way he brings an unlikely group of uh, folks with him. So his friends, Sam and Mary and Pippin, they, they all follow him. Um, they're friends. Um, and his, his journey actually really inspires Gimli and Legolas, some yeah, very strange and different characters to follow him. And also, like his enemies, really, um, Faramir and Boromir, are at times against the ring and against Frodo. Um, so... He, he, he just inspires so many people to come and help him. Um, and he does that all for the, for the good of Middle-earth as well. Um, so once he finally destroys the ring, or, um, the whole, all of Middle-earth is saved from the evil of Sauron. So basically, um, yeah, Frodo, Frodo went through that, that path. He actually lost his finger at the end. That was a really painful thing to happen. But... All the Middle Earth was saved, and yeah, the end of the last movie is jo- joy and glory, um, which, um, yeah, that's a tiny little picture of what we're going to see today. So, um, in a far greater way, we have a, um, an unlikely path to joy. We have um, this, this passage, Philippians 2, 5 through 11, which is, it was an old, uh, it's a, a hymn that was sung in churches in the first century, I think. Uh, that's what uh, the commentators believe. And uh, it shows a monumental staircase down of humiliation and pain, and then an, over and above anything you can imagine, exaltation of Jesus um, in response to that. And, uh, and, and that is as the, the way that Jesus endured all of that is joy. So I'm going to read uh, Philippians 2, 1 through 11 again um, here just to give us some context. So, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, 
any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. So... um, Let's think about the context of this. Um, yeah, Paul has just asked the question, is there any encouragement in Christ? Is there any comfort in him? Is there any participation in the Spirit? Um, as Craig preached last week, of course there is, and we're going to see that soon. Um, but secondly, there's, um, it, Paul talks about the mind um, being of one mind and being in, um, yeah, being in full accord with one another as Christians, being full accord in one another. And that mind is used again in, in verse 5, have this mind among yourselves. Um, also, the uh, like counting others more significant than yourself, that is encapsulated in this, in have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So as Christians, we have this awesome opportunity of, of yeah, this, this hope and privilege that we have the mind of Jesus if we have followed him. But as sinful humans, how can we live in unity? How can we be in, of one mind when we have completely different views on so many different things from politics to um, healthcare to all sorts of things? We, as Christians, do have very different views. Well, the, the answer is um, is to have the mind of Jesus to count others more significant than ourselves. So, um, we're going to look a bit more into this in verse 6. So, firstly, God says uh, that Jesus was in the form of God. Um, So, if we go back to before creation, um, God existed, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in, yeah, in perfect, yeah, in, yeah, in perfect being, they didn't need anything. They didn't need us to be created. God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit were um, equal in power and glory from before etern- before the whole universe was created. So Jesus was equal with God in that his um, yeah he shared the same glory as God and the same power as God. Also, um, he he breathed out all of. The creation. So if we see Psalm 33, verse 6, it says in Psalm 33, 6, um, by the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all of their host. So all the stars, galaxies, everything in the universe was breathed out by Jesus um, at creation. Um, so think of that, how powerful Jesus was. Um, also, 
as we see in Exodus 33, God was unapproachable in glory. God is holy, holy, holy. We are humans. We are full of sin. We are descended from Adam and therefore sin, sinful to our nature. Exodus 33 verse, um, verse 20 says, No one could see God and live. Because God is so holy and we are so, uh, so sinful, people could not come to God and live. Um, but Jesus did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Um, he didn't hold on and cling to this mighty power and glory. He, he remained to be God, but he relinquished or released that power um, and let, yeah, started on this descent, which we'll go into next. So, um, think back to Frodo. He didn't grasp onto being a hobbit in the Shire, but he emptied himself of that and started that journey to Mordor. In so much greater way did Jesus um, not grasp onto his glory and his position as being the Son of God. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Now, given who Jesus was, um, how could he en- how could he empty himself to become a servant? He is the king of the universe. He spoke the universe into existence, and he emptied himself to become a servant. Like he, he could have become a king in a palace. He could have um, started his life there, but he ended. He entered. Uh, he entered humanity as a baby in a manger in a stable. That is the lower, kind of the lowest um, status you could possibly think of. Um, so also the fact that throughout all of Jesus' life, he was a carpenter or a, a servant. Even a few days before his death, um, he was washing his disciples' feet. The king of the universe washed his disciples' feet. Think of what he did to become a servant. Why would he do that? Yeah, he didn't just become a servant. He didn't just empty himself to become a servant. He was found in human form. He was found actually in the form of a baby. Jesus humbled himself by becoming an embryo, by being born of a woman, by being born as a baby, and then growing up to be a toddler, and then a child, and, and so on, to be a man. Um, now, we have two toddlers, and uh, consider how hard it is to be a toddler. You, yeah, you you don't have very much vocabulary. Um, you can you, you know you're hungry, or sometimes you know you're hungry. Sometimes you know you're tired. Sometimes you know you've got a dirty diaper, but you don't always know that. Like it's all confusing. Um, you've got hormones and um, and growth pains going through your body, so it's hard to be a toddler, and especially when you can't communicate fully to your parents what you need. Um, so. Yeah, Jesus walked through that. He, um, Jesus was, he took the form of a man. He was fully human. He remained to be God and he took the form of a man. Um, and so he walked through that humility. In fact, in Hebrews 5.8, uh, Jesus learned as a child the discipline through the things he suffered. Jesus suffered throughout life and he, Jesus had to learn discipline. Um, so, that is it is astonishing. Jesus was not he was not sinful in any way, yet he followed all like all of the developmental milestones that we went through. Um, as well, um, 
going on to this next uh, next part. Um, so this this is a little picture from the Old Testament, from First Kings eighteen. Um, here we have um, a time in Israel when the people of Israel were really confused: should they follow the God of the Bible or Baal, who is a uh, yeah a false god? So there's Elijah, and there's these four hundred and fifty prophets of Baal. So Elijah says. Let's have a showdown. Let's see who is the real God. Uh, and so he, uh, he gets a pile of, he, he makes an, an altar to sacrifice a, um, a cow on it. And he asks the Baal people to do the same. Um, they both make their, their altars. Elijah pours on lots and lots of water on it. Um, the Baal people uh, just pray and cry out to their Baal. But God easily Burns up Elijah's um, sacrifice, even though there's no, um, yeah, even though it's wet, it's impossible for any human to do it. God lit it up. Of course, the Baal people keep uh, keep trying to cry out to their Baal, and nothing happens. Elijah mocks them, saying, uh, "Maybe your Baal is on a journey. Maybe he's not hearing you. Maybe he's relieving himself." Now. Jesus took on a digestive tract. Jesus become, he became human. He needed to eat. And uh, all that is involved with a digestive tract. Um, yeah, Jesus took on all of the shame that is involved um, there. And also the, the taunting that, that, like actually people in, in North Africa, they do taunt us that, uh, that, Jesus, that God can't become a man. Well, in fact, God did become a man. Um, it, it is shameful for them, uh, to, for the North Africans, to think about, yeah, all the like the base things of being a human. But God, the Lord Jesus Christ, did become fully man. Um, and uh, yeah, in in that time, the fastest mode of transport would have been a horse. Like he could have come to the twenty first century, but he chose to come in the twentieth, like the yeah first century. And Jesus probably didn't ride a horse during his earthly time. He was a servant. He rode a donkey, but not even a horse. So Jesus was so um, humbled and walked through this um, unlikely path. But yeah, it's just a really low and uh, base path, basically. Now, Jesus, he didn't just empty himself to become a servant. He didn't just become, uh, be fa- he wasn't just found in the form of man. Uh, he actually obeyed God to the point of death, as we see in verse um, verse eight. Jesus uh, emptied himself by becoming, uh, yeah, by by becoming obedient to death. Consider the fact that Jesus, the author of life, the one who spoke all the creation into being, also the one who sustains all of the world. Uh, by his power, by the power of his words, he died. Yeah, the one who um, who has given everyone in this room, everyone on this planet, life. He died. The one who uh, who breathed out the stars into space breathed out his last at the cross. Why would the Lord God come and do that? So Jesus also didn't empty. He didn't just empty himself by taking the form of a servant. He didn't. He wasn't just found in human form. He didn't just obey God to the point of death. He even died on a cross. Now, a cross was made from wood um, and from a tree. 
and it was a really very gruesome um, execution method, uh, perfected by the Romans, but developed over centuries. Um, so if we'll go on to this next slide here, uh, that in the time of Esther, um, she was uh, the queen of the, the Persian Empire. Um, now, there was a man called Haman who, ra- who rose up. Haman was, uh, he, he hated the Jewish people, and he basically came up with a plot to kill all of the Jews. Um, and one of the Jews at the time was Mordecai. Now, Mordecai had saved the king's life, um, the king of Persia's life, um, a, few, a few years before. And, and actually, uh, Haman's plot to kill all of the Jews came to Mordecai. And he, sa- he told the king, hey, Haman's, Haman's against us. He's going to kill me and all my people. So, um, the, he was gonna, uh, the, the gallows that Haman um, had planned for Mordecai, um, Mordecai actually, and the king of Persia used to, to hang Haman, as we'll see in Esther 7, 9 to 10. I'll read that. Esther 7, 9 to 10. Then one of the eunuchs in attendance on the king said, Moreover, the gallows that Haman has prepared for Mordecai, whose word saved the king, is standing at Haman's house, 50 cubits high. And the king said, hang him on that. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then the wrath of the king abated. Now, um, yeah, Haman was killed and and the wrath of the king of Persia was abated. Um, Also, whenever whenever this passage is, is read today by the Jewish people, they stomp their feet at the name of Haman. They hate, they really do hate Haman uh, because of all, all the, the things that he was doing to try to uh, kill, his, uh, to kill their people. Um, Jesus took on the cross. Jesus went through the cross, which was actually a development of this gallows um, a few hundred years later. The, the, the Romans perfected this. They made it more and more excruciating and um, yeah, Jesus took on being an enemy of the people. All of that curse against Haman from the people, Jesus took that on by dying on the cross. And it's not just that. Jesus um, would have remembered this from Deuteronomy twenty-one twenty-three: If a man has committed a crime punishable by death and he is put to death and you hang him on a tree, um, a hanged man is cursed by God. So Jesus was cursed by God at the cross. Um, it, was, it wasn't just that he was cursed by Pilate and uh, the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders. Jesus was cursed by God, the God, of the, uh, God the Father, um, the one who, yeah, who from the beginning had loved Jesus. In fact, in John 17, 24, let's think about all that Jesus went through. John 17, 24. Um, Jesus prays, Father, I desire that they also, the disciples, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. So God the Father had loved Jesus from before the foundation of the world, and at the cross judged Jesus for all of our sin, all of the sin of all of humanity. Um, for yeah, every single human who's ever existed. And God judged that at the cross on Jesus. God forsook, uh, so he turned away from Jesus he, and, and his wrath 
was poured out on his son. Jesus cried out, why have you forsaken me? Um, he was separated, Jesus was separated from God's love um, and exposed to God's wrath at the cross. Why would Jesus go through that? Jesus actually stepped down seven times. Um, so firstly, he didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He emptied himself, secondly, by taking the form of a servant, thirdly. Fourthly, he was found in human form. And fifthly, he humbled himself. Sixthly, he became obedient to death. Seventhly, even death on a cross. Why would Jesus go through so much humiliation in the five through eight, those verses there? Why did the Father call Jesus to this? We go on to the next verse. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place. In verses 9 through 11, this ascension and exaltation of Jesus is really expounded on and shows a complete, yeah, an over and above exaltation of Jesus. Um, Yeah, there's, there's seven steps down, but an infinite number of steps up. Jesus is exalted above every name and above every everything. In fact, um, if you look at, in, in the Greek manuscripts that Paul, the, that Paul wrote, um, he uses the word hyper to describe, or that's now translated uh, to be highly exalted or um, exalted to the highest place. And also the, the word that, um, that is above every name, that is also hyper. So, God, uh, God has hyper-exalted Jesus and um, given him the name that is hyper-every-name. Now, that word in English, hyper, is used in, for example, a, a hypermarket. If you go to a grocery store that's got all the, possible, all the products that you could possibly think you want and all the products that you, you may think you want or the products that you could never possibly conceive of needing, all of those products are fully stocked in this hypermarket. It's above and beyond any kind of market, a hypermarket. Or if you're, in science, if you're into science fiction, um, you can go into hyperdrive. So you drive, drive along at a regular speed. You can go into overdrive fast, as fast as your car can take it. But hyperdrive is going at 300 million meters per second, the speed of light. Hyperdrive, that is beyond what we can think of. So Jesus has been hyper-exalted uh, to, uh, to the highest place. Uh, he, Jesus really is higher than anything else um, that you can conceivably think of uh, and beyond what we can think and imagine. So God has exalted Jesus because he did this. Um, God has exalted Jesus to the highest place uh, and given him the name that is above and hyper every name. Um, he, Jesus concealed his glory. He went through all of the, of the humiliation and pain of five th- verses 5 through 8. Therefore, God exalted him to that highest place. Um, so, to also show that, uh, that God really is, uh, is bestowing on Jesus the name that is above every name, um, he Paul says here that he, in heaven and, and earth and under the earth, God has given him the name that is above every name. Now, um, to say that means that in heaven, uh, God the Father is saying that Jesus is 
the name above every name. Jesus is, has, in, is equal in glory to God the Father. He is, he's got the name that is above every name in heaven. That means he is God. So Jesus was God before creation. He remained to be God during his incarnation. As he, um, remember, he, he spoke when there was that storm on, on or those storms on Ga- the Lake of Galilee, and they stopped. Uh, Jesus was God. He raised the dead by speaking. Um, he, yeah, he fed 5,000 people with a, a small lunchbox. Jesus remained to be God on earth, and uh, the Father exalted Jesus. He rose him back from the dead, and he, um, he ascended Jesus to the highest place um, after, after he was ascended to heaven. So the Father has vindicated Jesus. He has said that Jesus is God. He will be God forever. Um, there is no equal to Jesus. There's no rival to Jesus. Jesus is worthy of all honor and praise. And, and so that, that does command response, doesn't it? Every, every one of us, um, whether we are, uh, yeah, every one of us from whatever background we come from, we need to respond to Jesus. Um, so, why did God exalt Jesus to the highest place? Um, there's that therefore, therefore God exalted him uh, to the highest place because of all that Jesus went through. His path of, of pain and obedience resulted in God exalting him. And that's, all, that's what Jesus preached a lot during his earthly ministry. Matthew 23, 12 says, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus focused on that, uh, and God the Father acted on that by exalting Jesus. Why did Jesus go through with this? So, um, yeah, it it cost him. It didn't just cost him his finger like Frodo. It cost him his being separated by from God from from the pain. Uh, yeah, the pain of being separated from God and going through death. Why would Jesus go through that? Well, firstly. Here we see in, at the end of verse 11, uh, it was for the glory of God the Father. Uh, Philippians 2 verse 11. Now, let's think, what does glory mean? Glory um, here is used as a noun for the glory of God the Father. Um, so it's thinking about his, his power and also um, his fi- Jesus finding his satisfaction and, and joy in God. In God alone, like living, living to the Father's glory, was Jesus. Like Jesus did that by focusing on on pleasing God alone, in finding joy in God alone. Now, there's a negative example of glory in uh, in Philippians, um, in in verse, sorry, chapter three, Philippians three, verse eighteen and nineteen. Paul writes, "I have often told you, and now tell you, even with tears." Um, that they, these people walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame. So the enemies of the, of the cross of Christ glory in their shame. They find their identity, their, their, they, their satisfaction, their joy is in their shame. So these, these people glory in definitely the wrong thing, in their shame. But Jesus gloried in God the Father, um, finding his satisfaction and joy 
and um, yeah, delight in God the Father. Um, he did it for the glory of God the Father. So that's the first point. Secondly, Jesus went through this to be exalted and to be able to reveal his glory. Um, in 2 verse 9 says again, um, Therefore God has exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. So give, Jesus had, uh, had this in mind as he went through all of the, the humiliation there. Um, he wanted to show his glory to his his disciples, the the ones he followed, the, the ones who followed him. Going back to John seventeen twenty four, Jesus prayed. This verse, I'll read that again. Father, I desire that they also, that is his disciples, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me, because you loved me from before the foundation of the world. So, yeah, God. The Lord Jesus Christ um, wants to share his glory with his disciples. And not just his, those 12 disciples, uh, but all other peoples who will hear the gospel and respond to, to him. All, all peoples, from all peoples and tribes and tongues, there will be some who, who cry out to Jesus as Lord and Savior. So Jesus went through that thinking about um, yeah, revealing his glory to his disciples. Now, thirdly, he did it for the love of his disciples. Um, this, is, uh, this is extrapolated from verse 9 and, nine and 10, sorry. So that every knee would bow before Jesus. Um, Jesus would, he, his heart is for people to follow him, to know perfect joy in following him. And, um, and actually, Paul says in Galatians 2.20, the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Yeah, Jesus loved his disciples. That's why he gave himself up on the cross for us. Um, yeah, Jesus loved us. That's point three. Point four, Jesus did it for the joy that was set before him. Um, going, going to Hebrews 12, this is a really awesome passage on, on why Jesus went through that cross. Hebrews 12 verse 2. Look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame. So Jesus firstly found his glory in God the Father. Um, that is his joy and his fulfillment in pleasing God the Father. Um, secondly, he went, through to, he went through this to reveal his glory so that his disciples could share his glory and joy in being with Jesus forever. And thirdly, um, to sh- uh, so that like, they would know how loved they are, how much Jesus loved his disciples, and therefore grow in joy and share that love with other people um, so that they would see that Jesus is the King of kings. So Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. There's a lot more that could be said about why Jesus went through with the cross. Uh, but yeah, f- f- joy is a great motivator that, for Jesus here. The unlikely path um, of the cross was uh, Jesus went through that with joy and obtained joy for so many people and for the Father too. So Jesus descended in 
great humility, and as a result, God exalted him to share the glory of God with the people he died to save. And the joy, the joy that Jesus has now being ascended, um, he, he wants to share that with all people everywhere. So, in answer to the first four verses that, um, that we saw, well, first four verses of Philippians 2, 1 through 4. What comfort, what encouragement do we have in Christ? We have infinite encouragement in Christ who did all this for us uh, to bring us to, to himself. Um, he did it firstly for the Father's glory and, um, and so we could share with him in his glory. Also, what participation in the Spirit do we have from chapter 2 to? Um, we, since Jesus is ascended, he has sent the Holy Spirit on to believers, so we have been guaranteed the inheritance. Um, the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance, that if we believe in Jesus, he will be our, uh, Jesus will be with us forever. We'll be with him forever. We have such um, participation in the Spirit. So, what does that all mean for us today? Firstly, Jesus is the Lord of heaven and earth and hell, or under the earth. Um, today, uh, there, well, there are two camps of people. There are people who have responded in joy to believing that Jesus is God and King and worthy to be followed. There's also a camp of people who don't believe that Jesus is worthy to be followed and don't respond to Jesus' invitation to follow him. At the end of time, all people will bow their knee to Jesus. All people will confess that Jesus is Lord. So whether you're in joy as a Christian or not a Christian and from a begrudging heart, you will still, like, um, you'll still say Jesus is Lord. Today, you have an opportunity. If you don't know Jesus, if you haven't given your life to Christ, you can um, come to Jesus as your Lord and your Savior um, and say and plead for forgiveness for your sins and uh, tr- repent and believe the gospel and turn to follow Jesus. Yeah, I would plead that you would do that today if you've never come to know Jesus yourselves. So that's firstly, Jesus is Lord and needs to be um, our Lord. Secondly, um, Every tongue will confess and every knee will bow to Jesus. So that means every, um, every people, tribe, and nation on earth, and, uh, they will all, uh, people from each of those tribes, nations, and people will confess that Jesus is Lord. This is a great opportunity today to present the gospel to those who've never heard from it, um, of it or that Jesus is Lord from all tribes and tongues. Um, so, as we, uh, as the psalmists say in Psalm six, seven, three, and four, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. And what we could be part of that by sharing the gospel with those around us who don't know Jesus. So the second point is, Jesus is worthy of following by our friends, our neighbours, those far away, um, by everyone on earth. Thirdly. We are commanded to have the mind of Christ. Um, Back to verse 5. Jesus, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross. So Jesus went through such suffering and pain. um, And what what 
helped him endure through that was the joy that was set before him. When, whenever we have trials or difficulties or there's um, back like uh, flack for, from being a Christian or yeah, we get uh, just uh, talked about or slandered, um, if, we, if we endure that with joy, um, what hope there is. Jesus is the one who is the greatest example of that. And he gives us the privilege of suffering for his name's sake. So let's, um, let us endure any pain uh, that we experience in life. Endure that with joy. Um, so that at the last day, God will exalt us as we are humble, following Christ's humility. Finally, um, let's follow Jesus. Let's not cling on to um, our status or our professions or our jobs or our education or anything that God has blessed us with. But like Jesus, let us empty ourselves and be servants. Let us um, care for others. Let us count others more significant than ourselves. Um, And also, whenever we're mistreated or go through any trial, let us endure that with joy, just as Jesus has done. So, yeah, and that would all be to the glory of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for all that Jesus has done. God, thank you that he is exalted to the highest place. And we do pray we would have um, the mind of Christ as we go out this week. Let us glorify you, Father, and live to to, uh, please you, uh, putting others first, and also um, enduring everything with great joy. We pray all that in Jesus' name for your glory, Lord. Amen.